Just before you listen to today's episode, this is a quick message to remind you that if you like what you hear, you can help support History Hack, which is run entirely by volunteers using our Patreon account. There are links on all of our episodes. Or if a subscription is not your thing, you can also now drop us a line on Ko-fi, which is just the equivalent of buying us a drink. So if you hear an episode, you like it and you want to chip in just once, then you can do that too. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of History Hack. Zach here on presenting duties with Alex, mainly because when the others said, oh, I want in on this, I went, no, it's mine. We're doing Egypt, not having it. Boss, who have we got with us today? You only do this because you love uh, the Egyptian cartoons where you're like an Egyptian god. Without any nipples. Yeah, without any nipples. It's a power thing, isn't it? We have (laughs) Julian Maxwell Heath with us today. This could be so exciting. So he's an archaeologist and Egyptologist with a wealth of experience writing, digging and illustrating archaeology. He's authored books on both ancient Egypt and warfare in Neolithic Europe. But we're really excited to be talking to him today about his new book, which is Egypt Before the Pharaohs. Julian, welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me on. So excited to talk about this. We both cool. are. I know absolutely jack about nice. this project. So, nice. and I love Egypt. I did the whole Nile thing. It's yeah, yeah. and amazing, and I can't wait to all this stuff. So, yeah. we are completely spoiled with ancient Egypt, aren't we? So, to yeah. the extent that they, they don't even bother excavating most of the pyramids because there are so many, and it would cost so much money. So, for yeah. frame of reference, to go back before the pharaohs, mm-hmm. is it right that we're looking at the Stone Age? And how much evidence is there? Yeah, if we're looking at the Stone Age, and in terms of evidence, we're looking at a hell of a lot. You know, the Western deserts and the Eastern deserts, particularly the Western deserts, is absolutely jam-packed with Stone Age archaeology. Um, a lot of people aren't actually aware of it, which is, I suppose, understandable because of, you know, the spectacular nature of pharaonic Egypt. The Stone Age archaeology gets overshadowed somewhat, um, but there's, there's, there's tons of sites, and some of it's amazing, absolutely amazing. I mean, obviously, there's nothing to compare to the pyramids, you know, and things like that, yeah. but there's many, you know, some great sites and there. Uh, like I said, it, it's not ignored as such, but it's it's overshadowed, you know, by the by ancient Egypt, Egyptian civilization. I mean, I think it really is quite uh, it is ignored in terms of a tourist sense. So I did ten days and I yeah. templed my arse off for ten days <laughs> and didn't even yeah. scratch the surface of the yeah. Egyptian stuff. So trying yeah. to capture people's imagination with something yeah. that looks less shiny yeah. must be difficult. It is. But I mean. You can do like tourist trips to some of the um, the decorated caves that still exist, mm. um, but there's not much really because a lot of it's like it's scattered about on the surface, so it's not immediately um, visible as such. So there's not that much happens, you know, tourist wise. Um, like I said, there are sites you can go and see, but it doesn't. I suppose it appears somewhat primitive alongside, you know, ancient Egypt, which I think. That's what puts people off a bit, which is a shame, really, because there's a lot, loads of fascinating, you know, sites going back thousands and thousands of years. Yeah, like you say, Alex, I think people are kind of seduced by the shiny gold yeah. and stuff, Tutankhamun's yeah. mask, yeah. the Great Pyramids. Definitely. So, I mean, how far back can you go with this? So, for to try and get people's head around it, yeah. Khufu's Pyramid, that's 2,500 BC. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 4,500 years ago. Yeah, yeah. We're going back way before the way pharaohs. Before. 
so yeah. way before Khufu, because yeah. there's even a process in kind of yes. that the ends, if you like, almost with Khufu's pyramid. Yeah. yeah. So how far back exactly can we go in terms of the evidence? How many years mm. are we talking? And and who were the first Egyptians and what evidence is there of their lives, how they lived, what they did? Right. Uh, the, the earliest sort of firmly dated sites date to around 400,000 to 300,000 years ago. Um, now, there, there has been a, um, a stone hand axe was found in the cliffs opposite Abu Simbel. Now, that's been dated by the sediments it was found in, so about 700,000 years ago. Um, and we can't really say for sure who the first Egyptians were, but most sort of archaeologists think it was Homo erectus, the early, you know, early human species. Um, but they emerged in uh, sort of the Rift Valley of Africa about 1.75 million years ago, at least, at least 1.75 million years ago. So the off there and they're, and they're, um, they're associated with what's called Ashelian hand axes, which are like a distinctive mm. pear-shaped stone hand axe. Now they're found in the thousands throughout Egypt, particularly in the deserts. Um, but the question is, is where they where they here, you know, before the 700,000 sort of like benchmark we got for that stone axe. And also we've got um, what's called the older one tradition, which that's also from um, sub-Saharan Africa. Now that was re recognised in Aldervai Gorge by Lewis and Mary Leakey. Um, and that five million years ago. And it was associated with early hominid species and there has been claims that older one tools have been found in Egypt, near Luxor um, and Cairo. But a lot of archaeologists have, have said that, have claimed that these are the natural um, river-rolled cobbles. And it's never been proven that the older one exists. But if you think that, you know, say two, two million years ago, there was early, you know, humans in sub-Saharan Africa, the likelihood that they might have moved north into Egypt, you know, it's quite, it's quite possible. This is um, the but, thing, isn't it? If humans yeah. <clears throat> came out of Africa, then they exactly. come through Egypt. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually a site in um, the Republic of Georgia, uh, in the former Soviet Union, called Damanisi, and they found early Homo erectus remains there, which dates about 1.8 million years ago. So some archaeologists um, are of the opinion that Homo erectus emerged in Europe and then moved into Africa. Mm. Um, who knows? Because you know that's that sort of that field of archaeology. It's there's new finds all the time, and you know they're constantly arguing with each other about you know what was the earliest human species or not. Um, but they have workshops at conferences and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Personally, myself, yeah. I think you know this hand axe that I mentioned seven hundred thousand years ago. Yeah, I think there must be stuff before that. But whether we ever find it, um, that's a different matter, you know, because um, it's going it's going so far back that it's probably been either washed away or it's buried, you know, under the Nile floods. But you never know, you know, one day, you know, we, we might find something that, um, you know, earlier than the Homo erectus. So far, there's been no remains found of early hominids, just the hand axes. Um, so it's like, you know, circumstantial evidence, really. Yeah. Yeah. 
And presumably the landscape's very different back then. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we talked yeah. already about deserts yeah. and so on, but they weren't deserts yeah. back then, which uh, yeah. is why I, people were living yeah, there. I, yeah, I think the best way to en envisage the, the deserts is to um, look at them like the African savanna landscapes, you know, with the grasslands, you know, yeah. and the trees sort of sparsely spread out, but, you know, with um, little lakes and pools and rivers. I mean, obviously, you know, otherwise they couldn't have lived there. It's well known that that's what the landscape would have looked like. So, and, and it dried up about, oh, I think it started to dry up about 6,000 years ago. So then obviously people started moving into the Nile Valley and the Delta. Talking about moving the story onwards. So you've got a pinpoint for the older stuff you found. Yeah. There's been some really interesting work that you covered in your book that's been carried out by Belgium University. And yeah. moves the story forward, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's um, the Belgium Middle Egypt Prehistoric Project, which um, Leuven University, and it was led by Pierre Vermeersch. I think he might have retired now, but I think the, the project's still going. Um, and they've, they've found loads of sites along, sort of along the fringes of the Nile Valley, mm. um, roughly dating from about 250,000 to 50,000 years ago, actually to about 24,000 years ago. So you're talking a huge, you know, span of time that covers sort of the upper Paleolithic and the um, middle Paleolithic. You know, so you're talking hundreds of thousand years, really. And a lot of the sites they found are actually quarries, um, where people were what they were quarrying and um, chair cobbles, which they turn into stone tools. Uh, and they also they were probably producing them on sites as well. And then these stone tools would be. Uh, moved on to settlements which you know haven't been identified and they probably never will be because they'll be buried under the Nile mud if you think how many Nile floods there's been yeah. over the centuries the chances of finding settlements from that time you know are really slim but again you know you, you never know um, I think one of the, the most famous sites was called Taramsa 1 which is located near um, Dendera Temple Complex I don't know if you've been there no, I didn't do that. It's a famous site. Um, well, it's a famous, you know, ancient Egyptian monument. Yeah. Uh, and it, again, it was, it was basically a quarrying site, and there's all pits and trenches where they've been digging down to get the chair cobbles. But uh, the most important discovery was they found the skeleton of a, a, a young girl, aged about eight to nine years old, uh, and a body being placed in a seated position in a pit. And she was like leaning backwards mm. with a face looking towards the sky. You know, it's quite a, quite a poignant burial, really, and it's it's an important burial as well because there's, there's been, been very few, you know, burials from this time found, you know, in Africa, basically the whole of Africa. So, um, we don't know if she died. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask that because uh, a, a skeleton was quite badly badly preserved, but they think she was buried in the middle of Paleolithic originally, about fifty thousand years ago. But it's it's since been. Um, sort of confirmed that she was buried about 20, maybe about 26,000 years ago. You know, but it's quite amazing that, that she still survived to be found. But I think what I like about it is that her face was pointing up towards the sky. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that was just like a chance of, you know, it wasn't just a chance thing. I think it had been deliberately, she'd been buried like that. Why she was looking towards the sky, I don't know, but something to do with gods maybe or, mm. you know. But really interesting burial. Uh, and they've done... Um, Another site they've done is called Naslet Cater 4. Now, this site has produced some of the earliest evidence for underground mining in the world. Um, 
it goes back to about 30,000 to 40,000 years ago. And what the people who dug here, they dug like quite a sophisticated network of ditches and vertical shafts. And there was underground galleries as well and passages. Um, some of them like extending about 10 to 15 metres underground. And they can't have been nice places to work in. It must have been really hot, you know, and oppressive and probably quite dangerous as well. And in fact, they found um, the remains of wooden roof supports mm. still in the galleries. And they found that some of the roofs had collapsed as well. But it, it's unlikely that, um, you know, anyone was killed. They think that the, the roof collapses occurred at a much later date. Um, but again, it would have been nice places to wear. And what happened was, shortly after they dug this site, they found um, two burials of two young men. One was in, one of the skeletons was like in quite a bad, quite a bad state. Um, but the other one was really well preserved, and I think it's the best preserved um, skeleton from Africa from this date, from this period, from the, you know the Paleolithic time. And his um, his skeleton was analysed afterwards, and what we found was that he'd been involved in hard manual labour. Yeah. Right, and so he was very close to the mine. You know, we can't prove that he worked. But the chances are his belly was around the same date that the mine was being worked as well. So chances are he was actually, you know, he worked in that mine most of his life. And some people have suggested, you know, maybe a bit sensationally that he was a slave and he'd been worked to death in the mine. But whatever he'd done, he'd had a hard life. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's incredible that you can tell how someone that old spent I know. Life. Yeah, I know. And yeah. yeah, so that, that's a chat. And also, actually, should point out that you have him um, buried in his grave with a small stone axe. Yeah. And they found the same axes on the site, the, the quarrying site, the mining site. So all the evidence sort of points towards, yeah, he did work there. And whether he was slave or not, I mean, I don't know. You can't prove How that. How old was he when he died? Like, they say that they can tell he spent his whole life um, working. But... Well, it, it just said a young adult male. I think he was about 20 yeah. to 25. Now, if you think yeah. at the time, that's probably quite old. Yeah, you know, like if you, if you reach forty, I suppose in like a lot of prehistoric societies, reaching forty or above, you would have been, you know, at a really good age. You know, so yeah, but that's a fascinating site. But they, they like I said, I think they're still going. The uh, the Belgian project and, and Pierre Vermeer, he's like really contributed loads to Stone Age archaeology in Egypt. He's like one of the top, you know, top guys. Mm. But I think he's retired now, although he's still obviously active, you know, in academia. So we've talked about tools, but what about the culture? When do we see things like art starting mm. to emerge? Uh, and what does it kind of look like? What, what evidence do we have of it? Right, I, I th the oldest art, um, this is a, a quite, a, a quite a recent find actually. Um, there's a near a village called Kerta, which is in the uh, upper Egypt. Now we're in the sandstone cliffs that border the Nile by the river, uh, by the village. They found um, these carvings. They found carvings, basically of animals, a lot of animals such as um, wild cattle, uh, gazelle, hippos, various water birds, hartebeest, things like that. Now, when it was first found, it wasn't really um, it was it wasn't ignored, but it was just like they gave it a little footnote in it in like an academic journal. And then just recently, I think again, it might have been the Belgian project uh, went back to investigate it and. What they found was, this is, this is what I found really fascinating, is that 
some of the wild cattle engravings, um, and there's also, sorry, there's also headless human figures uh, engravings. And what they found was that these are very, very similar to wild cattle and headless humans that are seen in the upper Paleolithic caves, like um, Lascaux and Altamira in Spain, you know, the Ice Age caves where they're amazing painted arses. So the, 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 it, it's quite amazing, actually. I mean, again, it's, it's, we don't, we can't prove that maybe people in Europe were in contact with people in Egypt during this time. But if you, you know, if you look at the, the similarities between the two from the Ice Age caves in Europe and these carvings in Kerta, they are really very similar, so it's intriguing. You know, it could just be coincidence, um, but it, it's an interesting thought because I think sometimes that um, we sort of discredit like prehistoric people. You know, they couldn't have travelled, they couldn't have made a boat. That that's ridiculous. How could they've got that yeah. far? You know, and it, it's it's sort of uh, it's a bit unfair to them because it's like it's that old you know they're just primitive savages sort of thing when they were actually you know probably sophisticated people and. They could well have travelled to Europe. You know. Historians don't like coincidences. I'm, I'm no. watching Alex's face as you're saying, well, maybe it's coincidence. And we're both kind of having the same thing. Of, yeah. yeah, but is it I though? I know, yeah. But I mean, like, archaeologists don't like to say, like, you know, well, yeah, that, it, that that's, you know, people from, you know, Europe have travelled to Africa or vice versa. Say so that, they, but they always hang to the bets. Somewhere, somewhere, an archaeologist got very excited. Oh, yeah. Found the yeah. second lot of pictures, yeah. didn't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's a fascinating site. And they recently dated it, actually, by... Um, there was sand, a deposit of sand against what, some of the carvings. Mm. Um, so what they did is they dated the sand. And it, the date came out roughly about, I think, 17,000 years ago, 19,000 years ago, something like that. But, of course, that's, a, that's sort of like a the latest date. So we don't really know how old the carvings are, but they've got to be older than the deposit of sand. So they could be as old as 25,000 years ago, 30,000 years ago, because they can't actually date the rock. So, you know, they dated the sand. Yeah. It's that, like, it's that old sort of archaeological thing, is that like if the coin's above above a layer, well, the layer below must be, you know, must be older. Um, but it's a fascinating site. And they think it, sorry. Sorry, carry on. They think it was probably... I mean, why they carve the art into the rocks? You know, that's a that's another question. That's probably to do with good old ritual, <laughs> mm. you know. Um, but it would have been where it was located at the time. Of course, you know, it would have been um, more. There would have been a lot more greenery and, and water. And so they think it was like a it was like a hunting site um, where they could have lying wait for the various animals that they were hunting and. By carving the, it's the old um, hunting magic theory that they've said for the ice age art by carving the animals into the rocks, they were somehow, you know, helping themselves to hunt them. Um, that that theory's fallen out of favour in recent years, but it's, it's a theory I like actually. I think it's a good theory. It's nice and romantic, but really, were they just bored? Is it like doodling while you're alone? <laughs> well, they, I suppose they could have been, but I mean, waiting for an animal to show up. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's possible. Yeah. I mean, but the headless figures are strange as well. Yeah, no, what, I've never never heard of those before. No, there's a site called um, Gonnersdorf in Germany, mm. and actually the, the the similarities between the two are actually quite remarkable. It's like, whoa, you know, they're like females um, without heads, basically, and it's like that's just strange. It's a strange coincidence. So, but who knows? So you I mean, can just guarantee that Alex is going to want to Google like headless art yeah, figures. Yeah, Gonnersdorf. Is he doing it? Yeah. <laughs> As you see. 
it's not going to be as scary as earlier on when we were recording on uh, Disney and it was the the rabbit, Oswald the rabbit, that's just Mickey Mouse with stretched ears. Oh, right, yeah. I've got to mention there's a site called El Hosh as well. Um, this is interesting. Again, it's, 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 it's later than Kerta. It's from sort of about 9,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. And what they found there is these strange sort of abstract carvings, but some of them look very much like fish traps um, that are still used in Egypt today on some parts of the coast. Um, I think in, uh, on the coast of the Eastern Desert, sort of along the Red Sea, and they're very similar. So uh, these are probably hunter-gatherers. Well, you know, they're all hunter-gatherers, but, you know, why they were carving them, like Alex said, maybe they were just bored. Well, I'm but looking they, at these carvings of these women the carving it up so Zach can see it. And I'm telling yeah. you now, they, <laughs> they're proportioning with the absolutely massive knockers. I'm telling you, a man carved yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a pair of... <laughs> Yeah, they're, the, they're famous, yeah, but the, the ones I'm talking about are actually the little the carvings and engravings in the rock. The rock. Yeah. I think they made figurines as well, but they're mm. the famous for being as figurines. Yeah, so, oh, and I can't, I should mention the cave, cave of the swimmers. I've got to mention that's another one I forgot. You've seen the English patient? Yes. Yeah, and you remember the scene where he goes in the cave? Well, Ray Fiennes goes in the cave with his torch and he finds all the amazing paintings. And I think Kirsten, Kristen Scott Thomas dies in the cave. I saw it a long time ago. I can't remember, but it's been a while. But anyway, that that uh, scene is based on, you know, actually, it's based on the truth. A guy called um, Laszlo Count Laszlo de Almasti. He was a Hungarian explorer, desert explorer, and he found this cave in I think 1933, um, and it's got all these weird like swimming figures. And these like um, just animals and headless beasts and things on it. And in the film, it, it, it um, Ray finds a show discovering it. It's like a big, it's a big dark cave, you know, all spooky. And but in reality, it's just a rock shelter. The real site is just a rock shelter. But the the, the, the paintings are amazing. These swimming figures, they're all in a line. I think there's about twenty of them, and they're swimming towards this weird um, headless beast. It, it's just, it's an animal of some sort, but it's got no head and they're all sorts of, it's like, it's almost like they're going, in, going into its bum. It's, it's, a, it's a strange thing. Um, and this is very, this type of art is hard to date, but they, they reckon it's about, they think it's about 6,000 to 4,000 years ago when you have the early sorts of Neolithic people in the desert. And, yeah. you know, again, we can't, you've, got, you've just got to speculate what it was. But I mean, personally, I mean, you know, there's a long history of caves being used as sacred sites, you know, throughout throughout the world, you know, from ancient times. Even today, some caves are still sacred to, you know, native peoples. So I think, you know, when you find stuff like that, I think it probably did have a religious sort of, you know, aspect to it, rather than, like you said before, you could have just been bored or you want mm -hmm. to show off, you know. Um, yeah, and there's one cave called the Cave, cave of Beasts as well, which is, it's from a, it's a similar time, but rather than swimmers, it's got all these, I think it's got about 20 of these headless beasts in it. Um, and there's some people, that, some Egyptologists that sort of say that this art was like, it, it formed the foundation for later pharaonic art. You know, yeah. as people moved into the Nile Valley, when the desert started drying up. Um, and it's a nice idea, but, it, it, you know, if it was carved, you know, painted 6,000 years ago, it would have, the, the actual sort of, idea would have had to have lasted 
another 3,000 years because that's when ancient Egypt emerged, basically, about 3,000 BC. Um, but, you know, who, who knows? Um, could, could well have been, you know, the, the ancestors of these people carried on this tradition and some of the, like, ideology that was, you know, inherent in it was, was, was kept going, you know, in, in ancient Egypt. And it, Sorry, I'm, I'm rabbiting on about art. Oh, I mean. brilliant. Um, there's a, I'm not sure whether you'd call it art, but there's a there's a, a Neolithic site from about 5,000 BC called Arimdi Beni Salana, and there's this really quite spooky clay head. It's only about 10 centimetres, um, you know, in, in length, and it's just this weird uh, face. It's, it's this spooky, eerie face, and it's got a little hole in the bottom of it, and they think it was, like, put, probably put on a pole, and maybe paraded around or something. But it could have just been a child's puppet or toy, but you know, you don't know. But it, try if you can try and you know, Google it and take a look at it because it's, it's a, in fact it's the image on the front of the book. <laughs> oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It, it, but I I find it it's amazing. It's it's only it's just it's spooky. I but, commandeered the book to do the good, prep for the episode did. and wouldn't good share it, but I am posting it onto Zach because I know. Yeah. This have, is you, have, have, you, have you read it then? Yeah, oh, it's good. brilliant. I love it. Oh, I'm cheers. Just, good, good. Totally yeah. obsessed with the Middle East. You, did, you didn't find it too um, dense or dry? or No, not at all. And I'm good. not an archaeologist, so... Good. Um, and I you under, understood that's good, yeah. Yeah. Good. Cool. See, on the subject of Alex prepping the notes, all that I've yeah. got to go on in this next bit is yeah. ask him about megaliths. So, oh, um, my, one of my favourite <laughs> subjects. <of> megaliths. <laughs> <laughs> megaliths are basically big stones right uh, you've all heard of like megalithic tombs that you get like say you know in britain and in europe and it megalith comes from ancient greek you've got you've got megas which is great and then lithos which means stone so these megalithic tombs that we know um and it, it's a term that's used sort of quite um because you might have a small stone circle and it's not you wouldn't exactly go wow look at the size of those stones but it's still called a megalith. Um, think of Stonehenge. That's the ultimate, you know, megalith. And they've yeah. got them as well, haven't they? They've got yeah. There's there's a there's a few there's a there's a few megaliths, but nothing to compare to Western Europe. There's a few stone circles, um, and a, there's a what I think is a cow sculpture, but we'll come to that later on. I think, mm. yeah. But that's right, basically what it is. Make... It just means big stone, really. That's that's it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to make Zach really excited now because, Zach, yeah. I was going to ask you about tombs, but specifically yeah. there's a war cemetery. Oh, yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> Both military historians. So it's like, One oh. of my favourites, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's um, Jebel Sahaba, which is, yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing site. That, that is now in modern-day Sudan, just over the border. But at the time... Um, it, it was, I can't remember the name of the sort of the culture they've assigned it to, but it sort of went from Sudan up to halfway up the Nile Valley. Um, and that was found by Fred Wendorf, who's a famous American. He, he mm. died um, not too long ago. Um, but he, 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 he was put, out of all the people who've worked in like Stone Age Egypt, it was probably him who's done the most to, um, you know, uncover, you know, the evidence from that time. And Jabal Sahaba. Also, I mean, you know, I'm interested in prehistoric warfare, so yeah, to me, it's just a fascinating site. Um, about 40% of the people buried there died violently. 
Yeah. Um, and some uh, some Egyptologists have sort of said, well, they might not have all died at the same time. Okay, that's fair enough. But either way, you know, it was obviously wasn't the, this peaceful utopia that some archaeologists like to paint, like sort of prehistoric period as. Um, all of that's changing now, to be honest, um, because mainly because of a book called Before Civilization by Lawrence Keeley, who was an American archaeologist. It still is, I think he's still alive. Um, he, I think he wrote it in about 1990. Yeah. And he basically argued that archaeologists have been like pacifying the past for a long time, sort of since the 1960s onwards. Now, they did mention warfare and stuff, but it'd just be like in passing, oh yeah, there's a sword found or oh, that was a hill fort. But they didn't take into the account the fact that, you know, warfare would have impacted on people, you know, just as it does now. Yeah. Um, but that's changed now. It's been recognised that, um, you know, prehistoric people weren't these peace-loving, you know, hippie types who, you know, there's violence then, just as there is now. People had disputes and squabbles and sometimes they spiralled out of control into, you know, full-blown. And whether the Jabal Sahara was that, we don't know. But like I said, it certainly shows that, you know, it wasn't always, it wasn't always, you know, peace and light at that time. The people were getting into serious bother with each other. So the people yeah. that are buried there, are they yeah. all men or are they no. a mix? Or it, it was a mixture. It yeah. men, it, it was men, women, and children. And I think actually, like, like thinking that um, most of them were women and children. Um, It'd be fascinating to know, wouldn't it? Like whether or not they are—that is the result of like a prolonged war, or if that's just yeah, standard cemetery and that forty yeah, percent yeah. is the average amount of people that came yeah. to grief there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I find fascinating. Was it a single event? Because, you know, when you go back to that time, you can't get exact radio carbon dates on the skeletons and things. You're just getting a rough. Yeah. You know, it's quite a good date, but it's not an exact date. So was it like a massacre event? that You know, they found those in Europe, sites in Europe. Mm. Um, or was it, you know, a prolonged, where people getting killed every couple of years and then buried in the cemetery? But, you know, again, it's, it shows that, you know, they were, it was violent. You know, living then, you know, you could be, you know, it could be dangerous at times. Um, well, it shouldn't really come as a shock to us. I mean, it, it surprised me no. that you, this thing that you're saying about <laughs> yeah. you know, that tendency to sort of pacify ancient history yeah. Yeah. kind of shocked me because, I mean, the whole, this is getting a little bit kind of philosophical and almost kind of Radio oh. 4 here, but <laughs> it's there's this kind of, there's something about humans and one-upmanship and we're always trying yeah. to out-compete others. Yeah. So that's yeah. not going to have changed fundamentally. Exactly. Yeah. I totally, I totally 100% agree. Yeah, it, it's, there's always going to be people who are out for themselves and mm. and they won't they'll, they won't stop at anything, you know, to, to, to gain wealth or, or positions of power. Um I don't quick, Zach, to... make a knob joke, quick. <laughs> before we go to Radio 4. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's not uh, are we only... back to, to like cartoon drawings of my nipples again? Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Go back, yeah, go back so... to the so that's okay. it, yeah. That, that's I think that's one of my favorite, my favorite all-time sites. Actually. Yeah, I got so I, excited. Really. Yeah, I, I think when it when it was first discovered, it, it started changing perceptions, you know, about yeah. prehistory. It's always brought up as like, well, you know, well, they weren't so peaceful, were they? Because look at that. And then they sort of, I, I love the way some archaeologists they talk about. They, they don't say warfare; they say uh, inter intercommunal conflict or you know, <laughs> sort of like you know, it's warfare. The people are killing each other. That's not warfare. I mean, you know. <laughs> the very but, definition yeah you know and uh, intra-group competition and all this type of stuff and you know it's just people fighting with each other like they always have done and they, they always will do unfortunately 
So from now on, Alex, you're only allowed to refer to your period of specialism as the first global intercommunal conflict. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely sounds way more exciting than first world war. Yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the only evidence in pre-Pharaonic Egypt, is it, of violence and warfare? Um, no. Particularly no. about the skeletons at Hierakonopolis. Yeah. A, a very. A, do you mean the ones that have the, like the skeleton marks on them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that's a fascinating. Uh, well, before I, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I'll, I'll mention a few other examples. Um, yeah, go for uh, it. In the British Museum, now I don't know whether he's still there. There was a, some people found it creepy. Uh, there was a burial called Gebelay Man, and it was like, it was something the card appeared, so it goes like 4,000 BC to um, 3,000 BC, basically. And he, he'd been buried in like a pit grave, simple pit grave in the sand, and his body's been preserved. Um, have you seen pictures of the ice band that they found up in the Alps? The Alps yeah. the, it looks a bit like that, you know. It's sort of it's all it's all shriveled and dried up, but it's you know it's still quite well preserved. It used to be called ginger because he's got ginger hair sticking still out of his skull. Now that's sort of um, people like oh no, you can't. That's that's disrespectful, you know. So he's not he's no longer called. I don't ginger. think he cares really anymore. Exactly, he? he's dead. He's dead, isn't he? I you think know. he'd probably be quite. Yeah. Chuffed it's to know exactly, that he's the yeah, centre you know. of attention. Well, you know, that's just that's just a bit silly, isn't it? But you know, yeah. now, now they call him Gabalay Man A or something. Yeah. Um, in in this room, that's not remotely creepy. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, history hacks, so. but he, he was discovered by a guy called um, Wallace Budge, who I think was the keeper in the British Museum in the late nineteenth century. You mean discovered or stolen by? Well, yeah, well, I'd go, <laughs> I'd go, for, I'd go for the latter actually. Um, yeah. Going back, you know, the way they, in the 19th century, the way they were basically they were just raping Egypt, weren't they? But to be fair, um, you know, the Egyptian government weren't really bothered at that time. They were going, mm -hmm. yeah, you can have it. Yeah, it's fine. Take it, you know. Um, but like, like you said, it was, it was robbery, basically. But anyway, he was found, I think, about 1890, something like that. Um, and But in 2012, they did a CAT scan on him. I think it was the hospital in London. I can't remember which hospital it was. But anyway, they did a CAT scan and they found in his back a stab wound and that it probably pierced his lung or his heart, I can't remember which. It was either from a copper or a stone dagger. Um, so that was like, you know, you're talking all those years later, they discover this guy was actually probably, someone jumped him basically, stabbed him in the back. And it Amazing that you can yeah. tell that. Yeah. But I suppose to be fair, back in those days, they, were, they didn't have the technology, wasn't advanced to, to look yeah. at things like this. Um, but just to sort of go off track a bit, but... I just mentioned Otzi, the Iceman. And yeah. this always amazes me. That guy, you know, the, the Iceman, he's been, been studied for, how, when did he get found? Oh, years ago now. Must be 20 years ago, not more. And he's basically, he's been studying for years. And it took them 10 years to discover that he'd been killed by an arrow that was lodged in his body. There's all these theories that he was, that he was a hunter up in, the, up in the Alps and he, you know, slipped and banged his head or he was caught out in the storm. No, he was running from trouble. He had, he had an arrow in him. He had uh, cut marks on his hands. Um, had other injuries I can't remember exactly. But it took him 10 years to find that. This is arrow. They, they found it on an X-ray. Amazing. I don't know how they missed it. Zach's face is like, how can you not see an arrow? Hey, I, I sacked the I mean, X-ray person. Isn't like X-ray the first... Because uh, X-rays have been around long enough. Yeah. You know, well, exactly. 20 years ago, they yeah, had yeah, X-rays. Yeah. Yeah, I like, know oh, it's it's quite a kind of a modern thing yeah. to do full yeah. CTs and MRIs. Yeah. Like, how well, the hell did they miss it? Amazing. <laughs> We've been x-raying arts, for heaven's sake. Really I know, dumb. yeah, yeah. And, okay, right, I was, going off, I was going off track there, wasn't I? But there's another guy 
who's called Wadi Kubanaya Man, and he's from about 20,000 years ago. Um, and I mean, he was found, yeah, he had fragments of a stone spear embedded still in his bones. Um, and then he had part of a stone projectile embedded in his upper arm bone. So obviously he met a, a grizzly end. Uh, again, it's just hunter-gatherers thing, you know, say, oh, they're peaceful, they're egalitarian, they don't fight. Well, stuff like that proves that they do at times, you know. And go back to the higher accomplice skeletons. Um, now, there's 21 skeletons found, and all of them dis- displayed either evidence of decapitation or scalping. Now, what that means is that the archaeologists give it the old, oh, that's just a ritual. Or is it something more, you know, sinister? Were they sacrificed? Were they war victims? Uh, you know, had they been, you know, attacked? There had been an attack on the settlement. Uh, there was a young woman found as well, and she had a massive blow to her skull, and she obviously died from it and healed. Um, but you know, the, the scalping is, you know, it's as horrible as it is, it's, it's fascinating to think that it goes back that far. You know, you know, like the Native Americans did it, and it must be said the uh, some of the white Europeans took up the practice as well. You know, and you know, in, in sort of the early pioneer days in America, there was a, a gang called the Glanson Gang, who went around scalping people. But I think it was, I think it was the Native Americans who, you know, first sort of uh, took up the practice, should we say? But there's, there's actually quite a bit of evidence for, for scalping um, throughout uh, Europe, actually, going back to Neolithic, maybe in the Mesolithic period. Um, uh, you know, it's horrible to think that it went on, but. You know, Judging from that evidence, it did. I mean, why would you scalp someone as part of a ritual? I mean, it might have been, yeah, you're an enemy and I've scalped you, but to get someone a part of part of your community and scalp them, that, that's that's a different matter, I think. So yeah, because it's not um, a, it's not pleasant. No, no, yeah. and, and there's also um, we've got sort of from the Neolithic period and the Carter period. There's a uh, it's like iconographic sort of stuff on on pottery. You've got you've got images of like uh, you got you, you say you have two tall figures either side of them will be these smaller figures and uh, the tall figures have got the hands raised the smaller figures have got what looks like ropes around the necks you know if you think of like the um, you know, like the pictures you see of slaves and they've got chains around your neck or they did that in the Iron Age as well they put these collars around the necks and they think it's like it's scenes of like some sort of military victory and. Um, but of course, with stuff like that, it could be, you know, mythological, I suppose, or doesn't necessarily. But again, you know, that that period, sort of four thousand to three thousand BC, when like that was like the forerunner to the you know, ancient Egyptian civilization. I think there was probably quite a lot of warfare going on then, you know, quite a lot of fighting going on because there's a lot of people sort of jockeying for power. I think mm. um, they settled in the Nile Valley, and like I said before, there's people, there's always people who try to take advantage of you know, wealth or, you know, positions of power. Um, yeah, so, and no doubt in the future they'll find, they'll find more evidence. I mean, it, the evidence is growing throughout the world, I think, for prehistoric warfare being... I think it's widely accepted now that, you know, the prehistoric world was a lot more violent than, than, than we used to like to, you know, propose. Um, it's a bit bonkers that actually they ever got away with trying to claim that there was a time when people weren't it is assholes basically because it's just yeah. it's human it nature is. isn't it to exactly people yeah and, yeah, yeah that's, that's true, true. Uh, but, but they, they'd like to say oh well yeah but humans were different then well how are they different they must have they probably thought thought and acted exactly the same way we did 
mm. only they had different technology, which we'd call primitive, but to them it wasn't, you know. You know, it was just that was modern to them. If you had a stone spear, it's like, ooh, that's a nice stone spear. Where'd you get that? You know, it was a, <laughs> and you know, then you have a fight about the fact that you want that stone spear. Exactly. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And also that they found that um, a lot of there's an Israeli guy called Azar Gat. He was like a he he he's a great book. I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a big thick book and it's all about warfare from prehistory up to modern times. And in the book, he sort of um, found that. A lot of uh, prehistoric hunting, no, sorry, documented hunter gatherer like warfare and violence was started simply by insults, someone insulting someone else, and then it'd escalate into you know full blown war or someone stealing a pig or a cow or something, you know. Just many reasons, I suppose, why the wars would have started. So anyway, I'm banging on about prehistoric. <laughs> Love it. It sounds a bit like Southampton on a Friday night. Yeah, I'm being honest yeah. with you. Yeah, or Birkenhead, where I live. (laughs) (laughs) So we've looked at warriors. Yeah. And we've touched on hunter-gatherers. Yeah. When do we see evidence of really kind of settled existence? So things like farming, um, kind of communal gatherings, trade, that kind of stuff. I think probably around about about 5,000 BC, you you start seeing um, proper farming settlements established in the Nile Valley. Um, uh, I mentioned the site before, Merimdi Beni Salami, that's a, like a famous site. Um, and they were full-blown you know, farmers. They were growing crops, they were keeping cattle, sheep, goats. Um, and although it was, uh, you know, the houses they lived in would have been quite simple, you know, to our eyes, there would have been, you know, wood huts, I suppose, with, I don't know, Nile reeds for, for the roof or whatever. Um, but they found loads of artifacts as well, you know, to show that they're quite sophisticated people. Um, stone axes, pottery ladles, bone harpoon points, and various items of jewellery. Um, these female figurines, which are intriguing, and we don't know what they were for. Could have just been toys, kids' toys, for all we know. Yeah. Um, one of the most amazing finds was they found this um, preserved grain had been burnt, and it was like it was just basically it was perfectly preserved, apart from the fact it was black, obviously. Um, but that showed they were growing crops as well. And, you know, of course, they were still hunting, but that's when they moved, definitely moved. I suppose it's the same in the European Neolithic, although that, prob- that was probably a bit more gradual. Um, they said, well, right, we're giving up the hunter-gathering lifestyle. We're going to settle down and just stay in one place, I suppose, you know, and farm. You know, and supplement the diet with hunting as well. Um, but the... the uh, it was, um, and there's a site called El Badari as well. That's around the same time. That's about 5,000 BC to 4,000 BC. Um, and that's gives name to the Badarian culture, Badarian culture. Um, they made pottery, really thin walled pottery. It was like red burnished with a black top. And that pottery was never ever, the thinness of the walls, it was never equaled by the potters and ancient Egyptian civilization. It was never equaled. And these are Neolithic. You know, so-called quite primitive people. Yeah. Do you have it? Egyptian potters who you know made some of the absolutely beautiful you know pots, but they never could equal the fineness of the pottery walls. So, you know. What do you think is the standout find for pre-pharaonic Egypt? The one you wish you'd found yourself? Is it the? Ooh. I think for me, um, I'm going to say Jebel Sahaba. Cemetery, yeah. the war cemetery. 
Um, but that's just because I'm biased towards, you know, prehistoric warfare. There's been so many. Um, I suppose one of the most important finds was the Narma palette, which is this absolutely gorgeous. Um, I think it's made out of mud stone. I can't remember the exact material. The stone palette. And it's just got this beautiful carvings on it. And then one side, there's a king. Um, and the, this is just basically basic iconography of it. And on the other side, there's a, like a this strange creature. It's like a cross between a leopard and a, um, a serpent. Um, there's there's, there's other, other things on it, like um, uh, men with their heads chopped off, these fallen figures with their heads chopped off, and uh, what looks like a fortified town. Um, but the... The figure of the king it features largest. He is the largest figure on the on the whole um, on the whole palette. And what they think? Well, this is the this is the sort of the traditional view of it. Is it's a record of um, the unification of Egypt at the end of sort of the you know the fourth millennium, just before ancient Egyptian civilization emerged. This guy called King Narma, he conquered Lower Egypt. So you got the you know the Nile Delta that area. He came up the river from Upper Egypt and he unified Egypt and created, I suppose you could say, the first Egyptian state. Now, in recent years, um, Egyptologists have, they, they, they say, well, no, it's not a historical record. It's, it's more to do with the iconography of kingship and mythological themes. Um, but it's certainly, whether that's the case or not, what's on the path, again, it's recording warfare and conquest. And it is from around, I mean, I, I personally, I like the old idea, but um, this guy, King Norman, someone said, well, he didn't even exist. Um, but he is mentioned in the old king lists for Egypt, so he probably did. Um, but that's a really important thing because, it, it like I said, it, it's it's like just before. And also what's interesting about it is like the, all the iconography on it is it's echoed in later... Um, like temples and tombs of ancient Egypt, like particularly the image of the king who's shown with um, like smiting his enemies, which is a, such a famous scene on temple walls with the pharaoh yeah. smiting his enemies. So the, the, this, the, the Carter culture, they were the, like the ones who sort of laid the foundations for a lot of the ideas that, and, and you know, um, the ideology, I suppose, it carried on over into ancient Egypt, early, you know, the old kingdom, the first sort of dynasty of ancient Egypt. Um, I, and I would love to have found, I mean, the cave of swimmers that I mentioned before, I mean, I've been to the Western Deserts and it's just, oh, it's an amazing place. I stayed there for a couple yeah. of the weekend. And to come across paintings that are, you know, 6,000 years old or so, it must have been fantastic to find that. And I think in the future they'll probably, you know, they'll probably find more, um, well, I'm pretty sure they will actually because it's such a big place. And then, of course, you've got the Eastern Desert as well, which yeah. hasn't been as well investigated because I think it's more mountainous. Um, but I'm sure there's sites there as well that, you know, we'll find. Uh, yeah, but for me, it's the, it's the war cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's so many. I mean, it really is. It, it's. What would be the Holy Grail if you could find one thing? Oh, Right, for you, awesome. never mind picking something that's great for like advancing the I... field in your warfare field because we're military historians. Oh well, I'd I'd love to find another war cemetery. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah that that'd be brilliant. Um, but I, I would, I think, what would be a great find would be, um, and 
Homo erectus, you know, an early human burial. Just thought that that gives us just to show that it was mm. Homo erectus, or even better, an even earlier hominid. Um, because, like I said, you know, at the start of the podcast, I think, I think personally, the chances are that there were there were people, you know, early humans in Egypt a lot longer, a lot earlier than we think. Um, it's just that well, there's no evidence for it. That's the only trouble. So whether they'll ever find something like that, um, I suppose it's unlikely, but you never know. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd go for the, the war cemetery. And if, if another one was found, I mean, maybe like a Neolithic settlement that being attacked, you know, when there was burials in the ditches and stuff like that that you get in Europe, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, but somehow I'm, I can imagine that if if there was such a thing, then kind of decapitated people would feature quite heavily because yeah. the theme all the way through this has just been <laughs> yeah. people with their heads chopped off, yeah. people yeah. missing heads. Yeah, they did like chopping heads off, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, let's see what the future brings. I mean, you know, the findings stuff all the time in Egypt. And I'm sure there'll be something interesting, gets really interesting, gets found in the future, definitely. But I think, yeah, I think to find an early, you know, an early human burial, not, not you know, not Homo sapiens, but a Homo erectus or even earlier, that'd be fantastic. Um, because at some point, they've, they've obviously moved out of sub Saharan Africa and moved northwards, although some, some scholars would disagree. But I think the general sort of consensus is that, you know, we did emerge out of Africa. So that'd be great. But yeah. Either that or, or a war, a war site, yeah. Sounds good. Well, fingers yeah. crossed that you find yeah. something like that and then you yeah, can come yeah. back and tell us all about it. But Julian, yeah, this yeah. has been brilliant. Your Thanks. book, Egypt Before the Pharaohs, is out now. Yeah. Folks can get it through the History Hack bookstore. Follow the link in the description, folks. Make sure you buy it. And thank you so much for enlightening us. No problem. Us. Thank you for having me. It was really nice to talk to you. When our guests join us to talk about their work and their new book, the 45 minutes or so they spend with us is just a taster of all their efforts. So to this end, we have launched our very own bookshop on bookshop.org, where you can find our guests' latest and greatest books. You can support them and you can support History Hack too. 10% of every sale via our bookshop supports the podcast and allows us to keep at it and bring you more amazing guests. You can find our bookshop at bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash history hack or just search on bookshop.org for us under the shops bit. Thank you for your continued support and here's to your next great book.